Podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 78 of the Burden of Command podcast. I'm your host, Earl Brian. Today's guest comes to us again from our friends over at C.S. Lewis Publicists and Company, and her name is Dr. Jennifer Conweiler. Dr. Conweiler is an author, certified speaking professional, and one of the top global leadership speakers on introverts. So if you're an extrovert like me, you're going to love this conversation because it's going to help us understand our coworkers a lot better. She helps organizations harness the power of introverts. And her new book is Creating Introvert-Friendly Workplaces, How to Unleash Everyone's Talent and Performance. Now, she's got a short uh, video uh, that I'll put in the show notes. And her previous best-selling books include The Introverted Leader, Quiet Influence, and The Genius of Opposites. Her books have been translated into 18 languages, and she has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, and Fortune magazines. I'll tell you right now, this was a fantastic uh, conversation. And as somebody who does, uh, as I mentioned earlier, identify as an extrovert, it really helped me understand more what my introverted colleagues are going through and what I put them through with my extrovertedness. Uh, now, she gives you some very good feedback, some very good steps to take if you are an extrovert on how to create these more introvert-friendly environments. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and get out of the way here and let you listen to this outstanding interview with Dr. Jennifer Conweiler. All right. Well, Dr. Uh, Jennifer Conweiler, thanks for joining us today. Earl, it's my pleasure. Well, this is uh, this is going to be an exciting uh, discussion because uh, the the topic of introversion and extroversion is one that's uh, very near and dear to me because being an extrovert, I know I've uh, uh, disgruntled more than my fair share of introverts in my time. Uh, so thank you for, for writing a book that helps people like me. I really appreciate that. Well, I love hearing that from you because not all extroverts actually say that, Earl. Oh, well... You know, you know, you're you're very uh, aware of yourself and also uh, understanding other people. So that's where I want folks to be. So you're 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 in the right spot. Well, I definitely appreciate it. And I wish I could say it was always that way, but it wasn't. But uh, you know, before we get into that, let me go ahead and get you started where I start all of my guests uh, with that question. What does the phrase burden of command mean to you? Well, I think for me, the burden, um, it, it's, I kind of react to that negatively, but I know that wasn't the intent of the phrase when it started out. Um, but I really think to me, it's if I would rephrase that to say like the responsibility of command, of leadership. And I believe that all of us have the ability to lead and influence each other. And for me, the, the true burden, or if you will say the real responsibility for anybody who is who is trying to get people to make a difference, to create change, to inspire others uh, in very real ways, is to really uh, tap into the strengths of the people on their teams, to their colleagues, to their leaders themselves, to everybody that they come in contact with, trying to understand that those people need to uh, be able to use who to be who they really are and express themselves from that point of view uh, and not trying to be somebody else. And I think once, as a, when leaders can do that, then we can actually step out of the way and let people shine and use their talents. 
So it's it's a great question. It's and I'm sure you get many different takes on it. Oh, absolutely. And I, I love that answer. And, you know, I mean, I've loved every answer I've got. You're, I want to say, the 70th, roughly, person I've asked that question. And I've got 70 different answers. Some of them are, are, are pretty similar. You know, responsibility is obviously a big theme that a lot of mm-hmm. people uh, come to. But I, I love the little takes on it. And, and I love what you said there at the uh, kind of as part of your answer is that uh, that that diversity, equity and inclusion piece, which is a big part of what we do here at the Leadership Phalanx as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and leveraging those natural talents that that people have, whether they're introverted or extroverted or whatever it may be. Um, so I got to ask, okay, because, um, you know, I, I mentioned in the intro, the book we're going to be talking about is Creating Introvert-Friendly Workplaces. And you've also authored The Introverted Leader and Quiet Influence. Uh, what got you so interested in introverts? And oh, there's one more too. Just while we're <laughs> oh, okay. while we're looking at the at the theme here, um, there's a, also I wrote a book called The Genius of Opposites, um, which is about actually how introverts and extroverts get along. Kind of what we were talking about. Okay. So so the question is, how did I get into this? Yes, is that, ma'am. Yeah. So the the interesting thing is, you know, I I believe in life we come at things from our personal lives, probably number one, from our family, from our friends. And uh, that was really my original motivation, although I didn't really know it at the time. And that was I married an introvert many years ago. I was you know, dating him and then married him, Bill, um, who I often use as a, a case study in many of, my, many of my discussions. And by the way, he does the same about me. Nice. Uh, Bill, <laughs> and uh, you mentioned Myers-Briggs early on. I was fortunate enough um, in my career, I started out as a counselor and a, a coach. Well, they didn't call it coach then, but it was more a, a counselor in the schools. And uh, they gave us, put us through a workshop called the Myers-Briggs. And that's when I really had my first uh, aha or insight, Earl, about you know who I was in terms of my temperament, my personality. And uh, I remember the instructor reading the list on the flip chart of the different characteristics, and I could pr- pretty much check every one for being an extrovert. And then she proceeded to talk about introverts, and uh, it was basically my the guy that I was with, you know, that I had just married. And I, it was very, uh, it was a lot of, there was a lot of relief in that because I was really starting to wonder, you know, I thought maybe my friends were right. I never should have married this guy because <laughs> I could not connect. I mean, there were many areas that I could connect on, but for sure, you know, I'm kind of exaggerating, of course. Uh, but there were, you know, I really didn't understand why Bill, you know, we'd come home from a social engagement and he would, you know, go to the other side of our tiny apartment and basically be by himself and not want to talk or, you know, or engage at all. And uh, this happened a lot. And it was, you know, I learned, of course, that introverts, one of the, the hallmarks of an introvert is needing time after being out, being stimulated and being with people. And, uh, but I didn't know that. Well, once I did learn that, and he, you know, and I, Bill learned about me. And back then, I kind of joked that he was still listening to me. <laughs> you know, I came home and I said, this is who I am. This is who I think you are. And and let's use this, and basically we use it as a lens, one of the lenses to navigate our relationship. And so it became kind of part of how we would, you know, manage our time together. Like if I if I needed more people time, I would tell them I needed to talk, you know, to make sense of the world. So it was helping me on many levels personally, and of course trying to, 
you know, figure out my family back when you first go through uh, your, your graduate work, you know, you're trying to analyze everybody. And, uh, you know, that was, it was very helpful, very helpful. So then I started working uh, more in my career. I started progressing and look, going into different positions in companies and in government. I worked in um, leadership development, putting programs together and, and training. And I would keep, and I kept ending up actually being drawn to work with more technical people, engineers, IT folks. I, you know, even though I had no competence at all in that area, as I saw it, I found myself very drawn to them. And one of the reasons is because when I would start to share some of my lessons and insights around these topics of personality, because um, it, it really fascinated me about how it could be a useful tool for us to understand ourselves and also read others. You know, when I would start to do that, I would people in those areas that were more technical, particularly, were very open to learning and and sort of were hungry for it, if you will. And you know, many of them, as I started to work more in organizations and outside, I was doing consulting internal and external. You know, I would find that, you know, they were so appreciative because they needed those soft skills, which used to be kind of actually put down, you know, or, or people would say soft skills. And I, now, now we say soft skills lead to hard results, right? Right. But those, those soft skills were sort of put down, but they were very appreciative. So that's kind of got me rolling and gave me reinforcement to continue to, uh, to sort of really look at how I could make people aware of this whole dimension of personality. And, and it's not the only dimension for sure, but one that helped them to sort of step into their own strengths. That was really the key, their quiet strengths, you know, their humility and uh, some of the many characteristics, of course, that introverts have. And not to see it as much of society was still telling, was telling them as many people grow up as introverts and are sort of put down for that, you know, because we, particularly in our culture, you know, Western culture. So they were like seeing, well, you know, that's, I'm really need to be more outgoing. My boss is like that and the company is like that. And so they're always sort of fighting against, uh, you know, going upstream. Yeah. And so, you know, they started to recognize, no, this is really who I am. And let me see how I can you know, get this project signed on or, or get people to come, you know, really be motivated with me as, on my team by being, you know, a, a leader who doesn't have to be in their face all the time. So there were many examples where we started to see more success in this area. And that, that's a long-winded extroverted answer for how I got interested <laughs> in this. But uh, as you can tell, I could talk about it for a while. Oh yeah, no, it was uh, there was good. I mean, and, and it is like you said, it was very a very extroverted way. Like I was chuckling, you know, when you mentioned <laughs> the Myers Briggs and yeah, uh, you know, he's coming back and telling your husband, say, look, extrovert, introvert. I mean, because that's what an extrovert would do, uh, yes. you know. And I'm an extrovert myself, and and I remember going through that Myers Briggs assessment and. You know, at first I was mad when when uh, I got identified as an extrovert because the the facilitator, uh, and I'm not sure if they use this term in your session, but the facilitator started talking using the term "you're an energy vampire," you suck the mm. energy out of the room, and I'm like, wow, what? You know, I I felt like kind of attacked by that. Like, Absolutely, but yeah, you know, setting back and you know with uh, the the principles of military leadership and uh, one of the shields we talk about here at the phalanx introspection and improvement. I had to take that. I had to take yeah. that feedback and, you know, they were actually kind of right. You know, I could see the people who identified as introvert 
physically kind of wear down the longer they were around more extroverts like myself. Mm. And, and so, you know, there's uh that's why I like your approach on, on this. There's a responsibility that us extroverts have to be aware of our impact on introverts. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, but it goes both ways. I right. mean, let's, let's, and I, what I, what's unfortunate about what happened in your situation when you were first exposed to this assessment is that you didn't, that was not to me a very responsible interpretation um, of the, uh, you know, of the instrument. So what happens is, um, you know, we recognize that both introverts and extroverts have strengths. So maybe I should just kind of talk about a few of those sure. um, before we go on. So, you know, and the old, the old, uh, the definition keeps morphing based on who you talk to. But, you know, in my mind, what I've observed through my 12 years of writing about this and even before working in it, it, it is often comes down to what Carl Jung, the, the originator of the term, you know, the psychologist in the, um, early 1900s, what he talked about was energy mm-hmm. and, you know, where you get your energy from. And in, introverts typically uh, get their energy from being in their heads in t- quiet reflection um, and um, in taking time alone, embracing silence. Um, and they have many strengths that emerge from that, you know, like things like preparing, preparation, is a real hallmark of an introvert. You think about in the work world, what a, what a real advantage that is. Ob- observers, um, engaged listeners, um, you know, so many strengths that, that introverts have. I mentioned earlier humility or being humble. Um, you ask people, you know, who is your favorite leader? You know, if you could think back, Earl, to, you know, of, of some of the people you've had through your career, many times people will say, they'll describe somebody who is more introverted. Mm-hmm. You know, so there, there are tremendous strengths. Now, strengths can also, I mentioned, you know, extroverts too can, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> extroverts have a lot of strengths too, right? They get, uh, you know, like my mother-in-law used to say, you know, she, she said, Jennifer, you can get a tree to talk, you know? <laughs> no, <laughs> right. yeah. It's true. And she was so frustrated with Bill because he never, he didn't speak very much, you know? So it was things like that, um, you know, extroverts tend to bring people together, they're facilitators, they can read a room, they know how to engage a group. That's something introverts just look at and they think, oh my God, I can't believe how you can actually go up to people you don't know, you know, and talk to them or get them, find out more about their life story. And, you know, depth versus breath is one, another distinguishing mark here. And again, there's no judgment there. Introverts like to go deep. So they tend to have, you know, deeper in general, deeper friendships, deeper relationships, um, maybe not as many. Ex- intro- extroverts seem to like to be gadflies. You know, you think about a room with lots of people. They like to get around. Mm-hmm. They get energized from people. So it's a lot of different relationships. Maybe they're not as deep. You know, right. I, I laugh about emails. I like to kind of look at that as a marker sometimes if somebody's introverted or extroverted, or at least what part of the spectrum they're on. And introverts will write longer you know, or texts, they'll write long texts now, yeah. you know, where, where the email, the extroverts go, oh, that's fine. You know, they'll respond <laughs> to something. That's fine. Like one word, you know, one line. Right. Um, they, they like to get it done. They're, they move quickly. Yep. So, you know, the sucking energy thing that you mentioned, that can happen. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that also introverts complain about a lot, that extroverts think they don't realize they're not done talking yet. And so they... <laughs> They're not comfortable extroverts with pausing. So they start talking and they start taking over and introverts are just completely overwhelmed. On the, at the same time, 
you know, when I studied the successful partnerships uh, where they don't drive each other crazy, you know, <laughs> introverts and extroverts, but they really are exponentially better because of the, you know, opposite strengths, um, you know, introverts can also shut down and not share and make it very challenging for extroverts to get to know them and to connect. Mm -hmm. And um, and they also don't share even on a more impactful level in companies, which is a real uh, can be a real problem. We might not be hearing from forty to sixty percent of a room, right? Because right. the as you say, the extroverts are talking, but it's because sometimes they're not hearing anybody talk. So they right, so they're filling the room, but the introverts are not st also stepping up to contribute. And that's another challenge. So it's like none of nobody's guilty. I mean, there's no bad person here. There's no bad characteristic. We just, as you said earlier, we have to be self-aware and then take that lens and with an understanding of these different characteristics, understand how other people might be wired and how they might like to be spoken to and dealt with. Absolutely. No, I, I chuckled a few times through there because it was like you were speaking to my soul. Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, especially the the part about, uh, you know, making friends like it drives my, my wife, Maddie, will go pre COVID when you could still just go to a, a supermarket or something and just strike up a conversation with somebody without masks in a way. Uh, yeah. It's like, how do you know that person? Oh, we just met. I was just chatting with them in the. Yeah. <laughs> What? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I've had some couples where one of them will like, don't, don't recognize, don't make eye contact. They're like, hide, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, he's good. It's going to take an hour to get through this. Or in the restaurant, <laughs> they'll be chatting up everybody. Yeah. yeah, no, that's, but you know, again, that's where we get our, our energy from. And you know, the brain also is interesting. I don't know, I'm not a brain research expert. I heard you and, um, and, and Howard Ross talking about this recently about the impact, right, of the, right. Uh, all these different uh, brain kind of things. But you know, the brain does light up differently uh, for introverts and extroverts. We do know that, that, you know, if you do a PET scan, different areas of the brain um, light up. And in particular, introverts can get overstimulated much more quickly. Yes. Um, they're right than extroverts, like we need more, you right. know, to, so it's it's been interesting during COVID for sure. Oh, absolutely. Well, and the other thing you said, this is where I'm terrible with, especially in this uh, kind of teleworld we're in now. As like you said, with that silence, like you know, if if I hear silence, if I'm on a conference call, and you know, let's say for whatever reason, bandwidth issues, the person just you know they've got kids running around, whatever it is, the re they don't have their camera on, and I hear that silence. It, it drives me crazy. So I got to try to ask another question. Then inevitably that person will start talking. I'm like, oh, it's okay. Uh, no, you go ahead. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah, because you were uncomfortable with that silence, right? Exactly. So a lot of what extroverts do is they'll like actually give themselves little hints. You know, they'll put a sticky note on their computer, just be quiet, you know, take a, take a beat. Um, they'll like count in their heads, you know, one, two, three. Um, one thing I started trying too, which is helpful to put the mute button on. You just have to remember to unmute. Right. Yes. No, I, I like that. So, you know, again, for, for folks, uh, creating introvert friendly workplaces. Mm -hmm. Um, what I love about this book, and this is something I really wish I'd had earlier on in my career. So again, thank you for putting this together. Uh, but at the very beginning, you have kind of a, a quiz, right? Uh, introvert friendly workplace quiz. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if for no other reason, I think listeners, you need to get the book for this quiz because there's a lot of stuff in here 
that we tend to take for granted. Yeah. For instance, one of the questions that really stuck out to me, especially again, is talking about how we, uh, how we operate right now is uh, we propose agendas and questions to consider uh, before meetings. Beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but also I want to let people know the quiz is available for free on my website. I have all four quizzes for each book. We have a quiz and they'll get the results right away, Earl. So you don't have to buy the book. Of course, I'd love you to buy the book and you'll be, you know, the book really gives you the ideas and responses to how you address these issues. But yeah, um, what was the question? Which one did you, what number did you say? That oh, it was, it was at? 16. It. No, no, oh yeah, fine. 16, right. We propose a gen. So what about that was, um, interesting to you? Well, I, I, I just liked that it was something that with, with the way we put meetings together now, I can never remember the name of it was, it, it's Parkins law. I think it is, or Parkinson's law, right? Where, where the task expands to meet the time frame. Oh yes, yes, yes. And so for, I can see, you know, for extroverts, we don't have a problem <laughs> expanding to meet the time frame, right? Where with introverts, like you pointed out, a lot of times they're very they're thoughtful. They want to say things that are meaningful, and so you know they they want an correct me if I'm wrong, but they kind of want an agenda that has some meat and substance to it to keep things flowing, right? Yeah, and also no, actually, too, no, you're right about that. Um, but agendas are, there's a term that's used called good meeting hygiene, mm -hmm. which I really like. I mean, we've all, we've been, we know for years, right? We, we've known for years what it takes to have a good meeting, have an agenda, you know, have roles, uh, have a timekeeper, have a finite end time, uh, you know, these kinds of things. Um, you don't meet if you don't have items to talk about, right? You can cancel a meeting. Who should be at the meeting? I mean, these are basic meeting guidelines. But I do find in all of the classes that I've taught, many leadership classes over the years, I'll ask people, well, which of these tools do you use? You know, And very rarely are they used. I mean, mm -hmm. it's so interesting to me that we spend so much of our time in meetings. So back to introverts, yes, they absolutely appreciate an agenda. In fact, I've had uh, introverted leaders say to me, you know, I will actually tell my boss who does, who's not interested in this, I will put the agenda together. Right, just to just to have it, um, and it really does make you think about what's your purpose. You know, I, I think the the challenge now with so many virtual meetings is people are, as we know, exhausted, and we're starting to say, do we really need to have? You know, we're questioning, do we really need to have a Zoom meeting? Do we need a meeting? Um, and I will say that extroverts do appreciate these um, techniques and approaches that are very introvert friendly. For instance, one of the approaches that, you know, I've been working with my clients on for year, for the last few years has been to use the strength of the introvert's writing to think about things, as you say, think about things before. So there's a question on the table, let's say, in a meeting. So instead of, you know, saying, well, what do you guys think? You know, let's, let's get the ideas up on the flip chart or the whiteboard. Um, we say, you know, we say occasionally, let's all write down our thoughts on this question. Let's take three minutes or two minutes to put down your initial ideas, okay? Because so you don't have to do everything ahead of the meeting, right? Mm -hmm. And you will find that this is a technique introverts so appreciate, but extroverts do too, because, and so does the meeting leader, <laughs> because you're going to get better output, right? Because right? you've had a chance to think about it. 
I mean, we're extroverts are very good at winging it, but those answers aren't always well thought out, right? They're just the initial brainstorming. Yep. Yep. So I think all of these techniques, these good meeting techniques, people seem to like that in the book a lot. We have um, seven different practices that I looked at and. What happened was, Earl, I, I was, you know, we wrote, I wrote the other books for individual introverted leaders for how to, how to build on your quiet, you know, your leadership strengths, then how to quietly influence. And then I mentioned the introverts and extroverts. And a few years ago, it, you know, it really did occur to me more from just talking to my clients and observing situations in corporate and many other workplaces that, um, you know, we have a systemic problem here. <laughs> Right. It's not just helping people develop and become, you know, better themselves, better Earls or better Jennifers. You know, if they go back to an environment where, you know, you're still using the old sort of rules about, you know, whoever speaks the loudest gets recognized or the person who interviews really wonderfully is going to get the job. It may not be the best person, you know, because they're mm -hmm. more extroverted. They're a better communicator. All of those things have very serious impacts on a workplace culture. Yep. And so I decided to take a look at, you know, where, what are companies that are doing well with this doing? And I, I looked for what, what, what I called pockets of introvert inclusion. And, you know, this is sort of like part, part of the diversity, inclusion, equity conversation, as you mentioned. Um, and I found some, I found quite a few. I also did a survey and interviewed, um, people based on that survey of where the, where the rubs were, where the challenges were. And there were a lot, I mean, around 30% in this survey of over 200, mostly introverts said that uh, their company recognizes both, really values both introverts and extroverts. You know, things like mm. that were kind of disturbing. So I wanted to look, you know, again, one highlight best practices, but two, also look at where the opportunities are in your culture to improve because you're probably doing some things well and there are seven different areas that we actually looked at in there everything from as i mentioned hiring you know leading uh communicating office environment which hopefully we'll get back to someday soon mm -hmm. um remote work and i looked at remote work before covid so that was kind of interesting <laughs> Uh, <laughs> training and development and how we how we do that teamwork which includes the meetings that I talked about and then I gave people ideas about you know based on these different best practices and companies etc you know what they could do to uh, to be successful in being a change agent in their culture and really shifting it so it is more open to many kind of personality types yeah no definitely I mean I, I love all the dimensions you hit and, and, you know, again, one of the things I do love is that you, you dedicate a chapter to uh, leading introverts. And, yeah. and I'm going through mm -hmm. that, uh, and I, I see, you know, one of the bold headlines there, share stories. And I'm like, wait a minute, that sounds kind of counterproductive because that's exactly kind of what introverts say they hate about extroverts is that we're always talking, we're always sharing stories. <laughs> so how does sharing stories help us lead introverts better? Well, I think, you know, we learn through stories. I think the statistics say that we remember a story 22 times. I've heard 22 times more than just telling somebody something. Um, so what we're talking about here are all kinds of personalities, introverts or extroverts sharing stories. We connect as leaders when we do that. So in what you're saying, I mean, it, the extrovert who's sharing 
um, can talk about, they usually can find plenty to talk about, well, particularly on this topic. First of all, many people in their families, chances are they're going to either be living with an introvert or have one very close to them in their family or a friend. And they can talk about their own experience and kind of laugh at themselves as like you said, or, or say, oh, I wish I had done that differently and I'm going to change or, you know, kind of looking at that perspective from their point of view, their POV. Um, introverted leaders are very effective when they share what it's like for them and how they have, um, how they have navigated, you know, the work environment in, uh, as an introvert. Um, and, you know, I have a couple of examples in the book, and one that I really like was the one of Caroline McGregor, who's um, a top executive at Merck Pharmaceuticals. And, you know, she talked about how she, as a woman in a male-dominated uh, division, and, you know, as a person from another, from, from another country, you know, came to the United States, learned about introversion, uh, and how it's really defined her to understand at a deep level what this means for her, and how she is true to herself, you know, as a leader. And she shares many stories about what it did for her and where she, the challenges were, you know, in being an introvert. And I I heard her one time do this talk. She has like a, a, a program she put together that she offers internally, just because she wants to share the message, if you will, you know, be a, a advocate, a champion for introverts. And, and you should have seen, I mean, the people, the young people, there were a lot of younger rising leaders there, who were just so uh, pleased and relieved, you know, to hear somebody at that level share their story. So we sometimes, you know, forget the power of just sharing a personal experience and what that can have for people. And it doesn't it doesn't just have to be about introversion and extroversion, but it's, it helps us really connect uh, with people at a real level, a real vers- visceral level. No, absolutely, Jennifer, I agree. And, you know, that's why I love you kind of you followed up with, uh, you know, slow down and listen. And I think mm-hmm. that's the key to that, that sharing stories, right? Is when the introvert uh-huh. is speaking that you take, you know, be conscious of yourself and you stop and you actually listen to them and give them yeah. their time, right? Absolutely. And, you know, this happens in networking a lot. So people are like, uh, I think what you're saying, Earl, too, is like the the extrovert is like, okay, well, I'm going to just help. I'm going to tell them about my trip uh, to France last year, you know, and I got them in conversation. Well, they don't necessarily want to hear that. They, you're much better off if you can really ask them questions, open-ended questions, and then Sharing stories when it's appropriate, as you say, it's not all the time, you know, uh, but being conscious of when that can be a good tool for you um, to do that. And interestingly enough, you know, I talk, I mentioned my husband and I do talk about Bill in my keynotes talks and I'm always, it's always funny to me. I don't know why I'm not used to this now, but people will come up to me at the end and I'm thinking, oh, they got some great, you know, leadership lesson they're going to take with them. And inevitably they'll talk about their uh, son or their daughter um, or, you know, somebody that they worked with, you know, but a lot of times it's family members, you know, <laughs> who they relate to. So I think extroverts, if they're looking for a way to into this is first of all, get educated about what these terms are and what they mean. And, um, and then, uh, also, um, actually, you know, share some, some, a personal story where this had an impact on them when they realized maybe they were pushing their son to be more social or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So it can be personal. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think that's uh, that's kind of a good segue there because I was going to get into, you, you talk about communicating with introverts. And, you know, as extroverts, it's easy for us to talk, but yeah. sometimes it's difficult for us to actually communicate, right? Oh, as, as you mean as, as extroverts, you're saying? Right. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it because communication involves the sender and the receiver, right? And so mm -hmm. it's understanding, it was Tony Alessandra who said, um, I believe, you know, what, what's the golden rule, right? So do unto others as you like to be, you know, as they would like to be done unto. No, it's like, it, it's uh, do unto others as, yeah, as they would like to be done, right? As, as not as you would like to be done under. I, I mixed it up. Right. The golden rule is as you would be, no. But he says, no, but understand who you are trying to connect with. So if you're going into your colleague because you have all these ideas and you're just, you know, calling them or chatting with them all the time, just, and they're an introvert, they're going to get overwhelmed. And interruptions, by the way, was a huge um, problem that came out as one of the top concerns uh, for introverts, you know, but I have to tell you that we kind of do, we do laugh about this a lot, right? So I, I had a contest with, uh, <laughs> with yep. extroverts. I said, we have a t-shirt for introverts. I may have put this in this book. I can't recall. Yes. And I did. Okay. <laughs> do you remember what the introvert t-shirt said? Oh yes. I love it. Cause I want it. Cause everybody will be like, yep, that's you. Please don't talk while I'm interrupting. That's right. That was the that was actually written all by the extroverts. Right. I hate I hate it when people talk while I'm interrupting. Well, they made fun of themselves, you know, which yeah. was really funny because the introvert T-shirt, the introvert T-shirt said says, "You read my T-shirt. That's enough social interaction for one day." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't I say that. I made that up. It was in the it was in the uh, blogosphere, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, again, humor, you know, and I found that with introverts and extroverts in the genius of opposites, one of the five uh, steps to, you know, the themes that came out as being a, a part of a successful partnership between these two was, um, I called it destroy the dislike. Mm. It was, it was, and that part of that was, was good natured humor, you know, that you can have with each other, because you can really get really obsessed with differences and if we, if that starts happening, you really don't make any progress. No, not at all. And, and that's, you know, that's one thing I always love about, you know, again, being in the military, being in the Marines specifically. Yeah. You know, that, that's what we, that's why we give each other so much grief. You know, people who aren't used to that, they hear the Marines making fun of the Air Force or making fun of the Army or the Army making fun of the Marines. But it's that, it's that humor. It's, it's that, oh, that so team true. building thing. We, we know we need each other. We're never going to admit it to the other branch, but we know we need each other. It, it, but yeah, so and, and so with introverts and extroverts, it's it's the same mm -hmm. thing. We know we need each other. We know that, uh, you know, it's the yin-yang, the balance thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I, I worked in gender differences for a while, you know, like um, helping women understand men. And I'd have some women that just didn't understand that. And because I had mentioned I'd work in technology, that's a big part of IT departments. Mm -hmm. They pull like pranks on each other all the time. Right. 
and uh, you know, in high pressure situations, right? Like you talk about Marines. My daughter works in uh, in a hospital, and she talks to me about the gallows humor mm-hmm. that comes out. You know, and I, she said the things you we find funny, Mom. You would probably never. You'd go what? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a stress relief. So again, that's understanding the climate and the culture that you're in, and and understanding. You know, I think one of the things I found is a best practice. Um, I mentioned in visiting some of these companies, I, I spent some time in Silicon Valley, and not surprisingly, there were some really cool uh, things that were happening there. And and one person told me, well, I use the uh, user manual. And I said, oh, what's the user manual? He says, well, we use it on our teams all the time. And he sa- I said, oh, can I get a copy of it? He says, you can just Google it. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. And there is a, actually, there's some formats when you Google user manual and it tells you basically it has a, a form in there on how you like to be communicated with what what makes you more productive you know how will you see people as aids to your team rather than a pain in the neck and it's really simple you can adapt it right which this this leader was doing and um you know makes total sense doesn't it to have a user manual and and we then we talk about it in our team meeting oh you know Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's one of the things I love. Uh, so we talk about Myers Briggs and kind of yeah. on the same line there. Uh, have you ever taken a disc assessment? I have. Yes, I have. Uh huh. And, and that's what I love about it is uh, at least the one, uh, the couple that I've taken. You end up quote kind of getting a user's manual as part of it. And uh, you know, I remember the first time I took that one, and I got the little thing there. You know, it was telling me how to interact with other people and telling other people how to interact with me. I'm like. You know, I just answered like 50 or so random questions. This thing is, can't do this. And I'm sitting there reading and I'm like, yep, yep, that's scary. This thing was dead on. I know. <laughs> and and to use it, like we said earlier in the conversation, I mean, there are some people who say, well, oh, I'm not going to be pigeonholed or put me in a box or, you know, it's like take what you like and leave the rest, is, yeah. you know, is really the, the, the philosophy I have with it. And if like you sounds like you probably tried some of those strategies, Absolutely. right? A little cheat sheet. Right. And, uh, you know, but it's so interesting to me. And I, I found this with when I wrote the first book, Introverted Leader, how so much of this that we don't talk about, like still, you know, like how we like to communicate what our personality preference is, you know, and our, our, uh, you know, what we just, what are we like as people? And, but I found that the successful introverted leaders spent time doing prep around that. That was one of the key steps they took in preparation. So if they were meeting with a new person and they wanted to, you know, get them on board or just at least connect with them, they would do their research on that person, right? Not just on what their academic credentials were, but really understanding how this person likes to, what's their vibe? How do they like to communicate? You know, what are their, uh, the quirks I might want to know about them? I know that helped me a lot in, in navigating organizational politics, right? To, to do that prep work, not just to go into the meeting thinking that, because you've done your prep on the you know report that you're going to be uh, successful. So I found the effective introverts really use that strength of research and um, reflection to consider their strategy around that, the interpersonal and the communication skill. Exactly. No, that, that's the first thing I did when I got that disc assessment back. I sent it to uh-huh. I sent it to my manager uh, for the organization I was working with at the time. I sent it to to them. And then I sent it to the team that I was uh, leading at the time. And I said, hey, 
good this news. Is me, huh? Here's everything that's wrong with me, <laughs> and here's everything you did wrong interacting with me. <laughs> I hope you didn't do that. I hope you didn't blame them. No, no, I, I, it, it was a tongue in cheek. Obviously, I had that. Yeah, but if everyone does that, then Earl, you know what I mean. It makes it. It's so much healthier that way. It's right. like an, it's like you can tell in an organization. I've worked in some companies where giving feedback was not a big deal. Right. Like you could see somebody run into them in the hallway and give them some feedback, and people wouldn't be freaking out about it, right? Um, and they'd be open. They may not agree with everything, but they'd be open. So that culture of openness extends to the interpersonal. I really think that's so important that we're open uh, to do that. And, you know, companies are, a lot of organizations are trying their best to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and speaking of doing our best, I'd be remiss if if I didn't get to this uh, section of the book, because as you already kind of touched on with remote work and you were working on remote work pre-COVID, right. now remote work is huge. And we talked about the humor piece. I, I mm-hmm. see on social media all the time, some of my friends posting, you know, little memes that say, dear extroverts, now you know what my life has been like <laughs> and, and all this good stuff. So how do, how can <laughs> leaders- <laughs> right. And and true, probably in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, but but how can leaders that are kind of being thrust into this new way, the Zoom meeting, the Google Hangouts, yeah. how can they create these, uh, I like the way you put it, create remote work that works? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it is a whole different world. And I, w- I probably would have answered that question, or I did answer that question earlier in the pandemic. What was it, 10 months ago, mm-hmm. when this was all new, but I think we have learned some things along the way. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is good. Um, we've learned that we can, we can actually communicate sometimes even better using virtual tools, particularly for introverts, who said overwhelmingly that they preferred at least at least one day a week at home. And we were finding that 70, 70% of organizations pre-COVID were uh, agreeing with that. They were saying, yeah, we're giving people options. So that's good. You know, that's a good thing. Um, leaders now really, in my opinion, need to um, open themselves up, number one, be more transparent, which a lot of them have to be, right? Because <laughs> you're seeing their homes, you're seeing their kids running in. Right. Um, but they also need to take more time and be very intentional about connecting uh, with their employees and their associates. Um, it's it's the pressures. We don't have to even say what's you know going on with the pandemic and all of the stresses around that and people, the economy and people and families losing jobs. Um, this remote school is the stresses on that is just are tremendous. And so, you know, on multiple levels, we have to relate to each other as people and give people some slack if they need it, you know, and I think the companies that are doing that are being more flexible and recognizing and valuing their employees are the ones, you know, who are going to come out more on top when this is, when this finally does all, all shake out, um, so I think, yeah, I think it's the true test of can we be really more humane to, with each other? Yeah, you know, and I think that's a big one because I hear a lot of folks, well-intended leaders saying, you know, well, make sure you have the camera on. We want to see your face. We want to connect. Well, first of all, that's not a natural introvert's tendency. Exactly. And the other thing, uh, in, in the previous episode of this, I was speaking with a gentleman, uh, Anthony Casablanca. And his specialty is uh, grief, uh, leading people through grief. 
And there was a Harvard Business Review article that had just came out before our interview uh, with him. And it was talking about uh, particularly uh, African-Americans and Zoom calls. And the point that the article made from this lady's perspective, and I believe it wholeheartedly, was, you know, this was kind of the worst timing to have a pandemic and have this kind of social justice movement at the same time, because a lot of African-Americans and organizations were hearing this, turn your camera on. We want to see your face. You know, again, uh, leaders with good intentions, trying to reach out and trying to, to do the right things. But these individuals, because of everything that was going on, all the stuff you mentioned with schoolwork and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, COVID-related issues where they had a, a family member in a, uh, you know, in a home that was being hit with COVID-19. And then you add on top of it the extra stress of these social justice issues playing out on TV and the protests. They just didn't have the energy or, or the inclination to turn the camera on and be that open and vulnerable because a lot of them were you know, they, they were visibly saddened, visibly grief stricken. And, you know, as a few of them in the article admitted, you know, if I turn the camera on, all you're going to see is like the, you know, my makeup's a mess because I've been crying because this thing has triggered something else in my life. Mm. And it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things again, where as extroverts, where it's easy for us to make friends, it's easy us to have a, beat energy. And, you know, that's not to say we don't get those downtimes too, but it's very easy for us to dismiss that type of, yeah, I'm just not in the mood for, oh, you're just being an introvert. Come on, come out of your shell. Yeah, no, no. And and there is some, some evidence to say that extroverts need that facial recognition. They need that connection. Mm -hmm. But I would say, I would agree with you, um, and in your agreement with the article. And I, I think that we need to look at, uh, and there's other research too that says that cameras on is, is just totally exhausting. But we need to figure out maybe some ways, if people are open, you know, to look at options. So like maybe we turn them on in the beginning, say hi, and then we can turn them off the rest of the meeting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just to have some, con- you know, we just have to make a few compromises. But it's not necessary. You're totally right. And even why even have a Zoom meeting? Why can't we just get on the phone sometimes? Why can't we do things? More and more companies are doing things through programs like Slack and and email is still, you know, preferred for many introverts I talk to. Just send me an email. Why do we have to talk about it right now? You know? Absolutely. <laughs> so let's, and that was in the communication study. We looked at, you know, ways in which introverts like to communicate and they don't prefer that that face to face but you know again we have to compromise the to you have to also um provide a platform for extroverts who need that stimulation so maybe you put them in um one thing i see people not using enough of in these formats is the breakout room yes breakout rooms can be all different sizes i'd like i don't like them any more than six people i think that's even too many um i've seen it done recently uh, where you know, Earl, you have two people in a room where we're, we're, and that, by the way, is an introvert friendly approach because introverts prefer one-on-one conversations. So let's, let's break up. Let's just have the large group together for 10 minutes and we're going to do several breakouts. And I'm seeing more companies do this and I'm very pleased about it. And I think if I, if you were to survey introverts, they would probably say the same thing and with no obligation to put the camera on if you don't want to. I love it. 
Yeah, we got options that we just don't take advantage of. And by the way, chat is another thing that people forget about. The chat is, people will say to me all the time, oh, are you doing this program on introverts? Nobody's going to talk, you know, which I've never, ever found to be the case, right? (laughs) So, but what I do is I use the chat a lot. I mean, this is, we just, because, because writing is something where it's a sweet spot for introverts. They like to express themselves through writing oftentimes and um, also like to make their points that way. And you'll see a lot of kind of individuals talking to each other in the chat. And then once that's out there, you can pull people in if they're willing. And most of the time they are, you know, say, do you mind putting your voice in the room? We just want to hear a little more about that. And they've had a chance to think about it. So let's all use the tools at our disposal. And I think we can, we can get through this together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Conweiler, we've been talking here for uh, about 45 minutes or so, and it's been great conversation. Same Uh, here. Yeah. No. And again, listeners, the title of this book is Creating Introvert-Friendly Workplaces by Dr. Jennifer Conweiler. Again, I know the assessments are out there for free, and we'll have links to those in the show notes. But please go grab a copy of this book, because if you're like me and you're extroverted, (laughs) um, this is this has got a lot of great tips for you uh, to to help better interact with introverts. And I think there's a lot of good stuff in here for introverts as well to to help communicate with their leaders. But um, so given the time before we wrap things up here, is there anything that we didn't get a chance to touch on that you would like to share with the listeners? Um, I think we've really covered a lot, Earl. I just, I really appreciate you being an extrovert showing such an interest in this. This is not common. I mean, I think it's changing. So I want to just call you out because I think that's where we get change when people who are not of the introvert personality actually see the importance of this because extroverts oftentimes don't feel the pain. But I can tell you that um, if we take the time, if all of us take the time to learn a little bit more about this personality dimension and the strengths that we all these two personalities bring to the table i mean the results are not just 1 plus 1 but they're really 1 plus 1 equals 2 excuse me but they're much more exponential than that they create tremendous impact and results so but we first have to start with understanding um, who these personalities are and one thing I didn't get to say that I will, because an extrovert always throws in another <laughs> point right at the end. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we, you can't stop us, Earl, right? Um, is it, this is a spectrum. So if anyone thinks that they're like, you know, just discreetly an introvert or extrovert, we do fluctuate. We tend to prefer one over the other. And most of us are kind of clustered towards the middle of the bell curve, if you will. It is a spectrum though. So don't, you know, think that, oh, I'm never going to change. I'm going to develop those strengths. In fact, one thing I'll leave you with my editor, uh, Steve Prasante, who's uh, helped me on all four books. He was a big, big proponent and big advocate and a tremendous editor. And it, finally, at the last book, when we were meeting for our last session, I got there early. Um, I was very well prepared. I listened to him. I, you know, did sort of the introvert thing, right? I didn't make it about me. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real introvert. And he said, Jennifer, he gave me the biggest compliment. He goes, Jennifer, I think you've become an introvert. I said, well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but, <laughs> But I think this is my point is that we all can develop those strengths within us. And that's the beauty of learning about a personality type different than ours. 
I 100% agree. And thank you for bringing that up because, you know, that's kind of uh, how I really feel about myself. I've called myself an extrovert through this whole thing, but I, I'm, yeah. I, I, uh, I've never seen this term used anywhere, so I'll say I coined it. Uh, I've called myself an omnivert, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I am doing certain tasks, you know, like I said, when it's talk, like this is one of the reasons why I love speaking. Like I love being in front of a crowd. I love talking with people and all that. I eat it up. But there's times when I just want to sit in my office, shut the door, leave me alone. I'm reading a book. And if you interrupt me, it's not going to be pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you know. know yourself, Earl. No, yeah. you do. You know what you need. So that's right. great. I love it. Yep. Um, so, Jennifer, um, if people, and hopefully they are, are on board and they want to learn how to create uh, more introvert-friendly workplaces, and let's say they want to work with you and, and find all these resources, uh, what is a good way for people to find out more about you and then reach out to you? Well, thank you. And thank you for having me, Earl. Um, the best place is my website. It's kind of the central hub. We have free um, downloadable excerpts. I mentioned we have of all the books, we have quizzes um, and lots of really great resources and articles. So um, yeah, check us out. It's Jennifer. It's my name. And I think you'll have that in the show notes for, for people who are listening. It's uh, jenniferconweiler.com. And that's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R. Conweiler is K-A-H-N. W-E-I-L-E-R.com. And I'd love you to, you know, drop me a line on the contact form and uh, we'll get the conversation going. Absolutely. No, love it. Uh, Well, again, thank you very much for your time, Dr. Conweiler. I appreciate it. This has been a fantastic conversation. And I think being the good extroverts we are, we could probably talk for another 12 hours. (laughs) We probably can. (laughs) But it was, it's really my pleasure that the hour just flew by. So I hope it does for our listeners too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And listeners, uh, as always, I highly encourage you to pick up the book. I highly encourage you to check out the website. I will have those links in the show notes, as Dr. pointed out. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns for me, any show ideas, guest ideas, topics you'd like to hear me discuss, just reach out at burden.command at gmail.com. I really want to say thank you all for being with us and and listening and taking all this information in and taking uh, an effort uh, making an effort to make better workplaces with all the information that we shared with the show. Uh, keep rating and reviewing and sharing the show with the folks you know. The algorithms, the way they work, the more you do that, the more these messages get spread. So thank you for taking that responsibility as seriously as you have. It's been uh, a pleasure having such a dedicated group of listeners. Uh, with that, thank you again for listening. And I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wannabet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. 
but I like Airplane. I know you do, but WannaBet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.